0: Hey folks, welcome to the House of Krause. I'm Richard Krause, but you can call me Santa Claus this week. Around the old House of Krause, we're getting ready for Christmas, we're getting ready for Hanukkah, and we have presents for you all. The presents are in the form of conversations that I've had with some really interesting people. There's a guy who, well, one day may be a legend, but he's playing a legend in a film. And then there's a guy who was a certified cult legend, We'll get to him in a second. First up though, Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan is an actor who you'll recognize if you've been watching the HBO series, In Treatment, or if you saw films like Chronicle, The Place Behind the Pines, uh, Kill Your Darlings, The Amazing Spider-Man. Maybe this weekend you'll see him in life. Life is the story of James Dean just before he got famous and his friendship with a photographer named Dennis Stock, who took probably the most famous picture of James Dean, probably one of the most famous pictures of the 1950s. James Dean in Times Square wearing a long black jacket, the collar popped up, cigarette hanging out of his mouth. That's all detailed in the film. Well, as it turns out, DeHaan isn't just an actor for hire who said, cool, I'll play James Dean. James Dean is one of his acting heroes. And you'll hear about this in just a couple of minutes, but he actually has a poster hanging in his house today that he's had since university when he first discovered. Rubble Without a Cause, Giant, East of Eden, and became a huge James Dean fan. So we'll get to that uh, in a a few minutes. First up though, I want to introduce you to a guy called Jack Rebney. Now that name probably doesn't mean much to you, but I think his internet name will. He is known as the Winnebago Man. The Winnebago Man is uh, a widely circulated viral video featuring outtakes from an RV commercial shoot, and the cantankerous pitchman who swears, kicks the Winnebago, just becomes absolutely outraged and flustered uh, because he can't seem to quite get his lines right. Well, that stuff was shot a long time ago. Somebody found it, stitched it all together, put it on the internet. It became a sensation. Well, it turns out the guy, Jack Rebney, who is the cantankerous old pitchman in the in the uh, viral videos is way more interesting than those videos would lead you to believe. So this interview from a few years ago, but around here, we like to introduce you or remind you, I guess, of films that maybe you've forgotten about. So go on YouTube, look up Winnebago Man, you'll find those clips, then find a movie called Winnebago Man. It's a 2009 documentary directed by Ben Steinbauer who sits in with Jack in our conversation here. And it's a really interesting glimpse into a guy who can really truly be called, I think, an American original. Certainly that's the impression that I took away after sitting and chatting with him for a little while. So we're gonna kick things off today. My first present to you, my first Christmas and Hanukkah gift to you, Ben Steinbauer, Jack Redney, talking about Winnebago Man. Jack, are you surprised by the reaction uh, from fans in the live situation? At the end of the film, we see you in front of a live audience, and then from audiences that have seen the film. Are you surprised by the reaction to the movie
1: at all? I wasn't wasn't prepared at all. (laughs) I had no idea. Um, um, uh, It's a a truism that that, um, I looked at it originally, and I thought, well, no... um, why? Why would these people want to see the film? Are these the same people that saw that clip? Why would they want to look at the clip? Why would they want to watch this this uh, crazy old man swearing and etc. Well, not old man. I was a middle-aged man then, and uh, so I, I, I had a I had an, an initiating misconception, and it it, uh, it was not true. Uh, the uh, the audiences were uh, were very quick, very sharp. Um, were um, the They showed incredible alacrity they the The film has a great deal of nuance to it. They picked up every bit of it every bit of it and uh, i i was I was wonderfully not only amused but gratified um, and Here were people that were really thinking that were that were with us and um that was, that was wonderful. Well, and you never thought anybody was actually going to see the movie. No, no, oh, no. I didn't think, why would anybody want to go see this? You've got to be kidding. Come on, you, there's a guy that stands up and swears for a few minutes? Good. That doesn't seem like it would make the greatest of films. Well, it, it's interesting
0: to me because I think... I can understand why you would think that people who might watch a video of a man standing up and swearing over and over again for a few minutes might not have that much to add, but then you're pleasantly surprised by the way people have responded to this. Has it made you rethink uh, your opinion? You have been living in kind of a remote way for a number of years, maybe a little cut off from people. Has it made you rethink uh, your opinion of the, the world beyond the, your, uh, your mountaintop retreat?
1: No. No? What, what, it's, <clears throat> what it's done is... Um, you see, what I have is I have choice. <laughs> and, uh, and so many people don't. If you're, if you're living in, in New York or Toronto or Chicago or what have you, you are constantly, never-endingly surrounded by the environment that you've, that you've obviously chosen to live in. I've chosen to live in an environment where I can reach out at my women fancy, and I can find the CBC, the BBC, um, CNN, um, whatever I want to find, they're all there. Um, and um, So it's not that I'm cut off, nor was it that I have been cut off. Effectively, what it's, what it's given me is the opportunity to say to myself, I will be now selective. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn on CBS in the morning and, and listen to them pontificate about this, that, and the other thing. I have no interest whatsoever. What, I'm, what I must have is I must have what, what is classically available on the BBC, concise, fair, pro and con reporting. These are not commentators. These are reporters, and we desperately need this in, um, in media today. And, I, and, and so I'm, I'm, I feel as if I'm in the catbird seat. I can pick and choose. I can have exactly what I, I feel is important in terms of being able to understand what's going on in, in the Congo or Somaliland or wherever it may be,
2: um, and, uh, and I can get that. But it did make you rethink your audience, or at least the audience of people who watch the Winnebago Man clip. Oh, certainly, certainly, of course. Yeah, those those people.
1: Um, the you have to. This all goes back to the premise once again that I, I find to be the overwhelming matter in terms of the film. What Ben has done is Ben was able to take all of these disparate parts put them together and to and to chronicle the ups and downs of the audience it's it is it's what they feel these are recognizable moments in their lives all I've done is enunciate it I've just said yeah there's there's I don't like this I don't like that this is good whatever it may be and they and the audience says yeah man you got me Yes, sir. That's how I feel. I'd like to hear some more of that. Thank you very much.
0: Ben, who did you think the audience was when you started making this film? Or did you think that it would be, uh, you know, uh, something that you would show to your friends and maybe it wouldn't get seen much beyond that?
2: Well, um, oh, Ben, Ben. Yeah. ben. <laughs> no, the they're asking right? me a question. That's <laughs> yes, right. You just it, pipe down over there. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, I wish that I was smart enough to be able to take credit and say, yes, I knew there were 20 million fans of this clip, and that's what would make this a, 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 a interesting documentary. And I think to Joel Heller's credit, who's producer on the film with me, he understood that. But I'm somebody who um, is, is primarily interested in story and character, and that's always been my interest. I wanted to be an author before I became a filmmaker, and I'm constantly chasing down stories and characters and leads. And um, I, I don't think about that as much as I should. And in this case, I, I think that was a benefit to the film because um, much like the original clip going viral, it, it had that sort, certain, you know, whatever magic formula, that sort of uh, magic fairy dust, for lack of a better phrase, that makes everybody want to see it. Um, I think our documentary has a little bit of that same... Magical equivalent, which is that I certainly had an idea of the film I wanted to make and what I thought I was going to get, and like most documentaries, that went out the window immediately, and what you see is the sort of the the story of telling the story the, you know you see behind the curtain and you see my struggles as a filmmaker to tell, paint this portrait of jack and and I think that 's what people like about the original video and that's what our film has and that's what I think audiences respond to and feel as if they know us as a, at the end of the film.
0: Well I think it could have been A much different kind of film had you just taken a more jokey approach to it um, as you might have having just seen the original clip you could have done something a little different but i think it's a much deeper more interesting thing because as as it stands now because you you walk us through it you walk us through the whole thing and there were times that i think that i might have walked away if i was the filmmaker i might have said you know enough enough of this were there moments when you said to yourself this is never going to get finished or if it does it's going to take a very long time because i'm going to have to go take a break for a few years
2: now and then come back many 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 <laughs> moments <laughs> yes every yeah. every afternoon at about 5 45 <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true and i had uh i had many friends tell me this could be a really great short film You know? And there were plenty of those moments where I just thought, you know, I don't know what the ending is going to be. I don't know if Jack's going to let me keep filming with him. Uh, We didn't get a lot of funding for this movie, so it was largely self-funded, and that was a strain. So... um, which makes perfect sense now in hindsight, because when you go to an investor or a broadcaster and say, I'm not sure if our character is going to keep participating, <laughs> and I can't tell you what the ending yeah, is going to be. I'm not sure
1: what the story is, really, but yeah. <laughs> we don't, we don't know really know where this is going, but
2: seems like a hell of an idea. Yeah, yeah surprise, we didn't get any money. I don't know why. But, uh, but yeah, but there were many roadblocks. But again, I think that by By chronicling those roadblocks and letting the audience into the the stress and tension that I was feeling and the and the uh, troubles that arose in telling the story they they are on the ride with us, and they feel as if um, they get that same kind of thrill of discovery it 's their ride it becomes their
1: ride I, I, people walk up to ben and, and and me after the after the showing of the films and 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 their their you can you it it's it's just pervasive the sense that they they have we have made a connection they know that we're we in in our disparate ways have spoken for them and it, that's just that's extraordinarily gratifying to me I um I, I always people will will consistently say keep. Talking, keep saying it. We 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 need to have voices. We need to have a pulpit. We need the blah 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 blah. And um, uh, and Ben caught that. It it could have a lot of this could have ended up on the on the cutting room floor. As we're prone to say, this whole
2: thing started
1: from footage left <laughs> on the cutting room floor.
2: That yeah. yeah, was Keith's
0: line. Yeah. Well, Jack. I mean, we see in the film. Uh, a couple of times, when you say enough, out, I don't want to see you anymore. How serious were you in those moments, or was it just a, you just having a bad day? Like, what what
1: what was behind that? I don't have bad days. No. Um, what I have is I I have a. I, I've established over, isn't it, horrifying to say, over eighty some years
0: <laughs>
1: that um, I, I have definitive opinions. I've I've made up my mind. I'm always willing to listen. I'm always willing to um, uh, hear somebody's opinion in regard to whatever it may be. But I'm I'm always taken back back to the classic um, uh, words of, of Hume and Kant and and uh, Freud and et cetera. I, I I firmly believe their their dictum in in these arenas. And I um, uh, I don't. Um, I'd, I'd, it has to be true. It it simply has to be true. If it isn't, if it doesn't have that 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 uh, visceral added that there's something. It's just amazing to uh, when I think about about how uh, when I when when certain things would happen, and I would turn and I would look at at Ben and I'd say, if you don't like it, get the hell out of here. Simply get and absolutely without um, another moment's thought. If Ben had packed and gone, that would have been the end of it, and that would have been. And I and never would have considered it again. again. Yep. Never would have given it an, another moment's thought. And then ultimately, after after everything was done, and <laughs> Ben had gone through the <laughs> the horror of having to edit this monster. <laughs> Um, and, and showed me, um, and I think, was I still able to see it all then, No, ben? no, you've No, really I, I could anything. never, I've never seen the damn film. All, all I do is, I get, of course, I, I understand, I've, I'm still able to remember basically what I said. <laughs> so I, 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 I hear it, and I think to myself, yeah, I remember that shot. Yeah, I remember how that went. Yeah, that, that, that's good, I like that. I like that concept. Um, and and um, I, I just uh, it, it became it became much clearly it became a, a something of joy to me.
2: Right. We jokingly refer to the film as uh, Tuesdays with Maury crossed with shit. My dad says, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it very much feels like that, where it's you know yeah. it's a uh, it's kind of this strange mentor slash friendship that's that's developed. And what have each of you then
0: taken away from this friendship?
2: Well, I think, for me, I, I, um, I really appreciate Jack's um, sense of humor and, and playfulness. You know, I, I'll admit, we, we've uh, screened the film now for about a year and a half at various festivals all over the world, and, and uh, one of the things I like to do is I'll call him on speakerphone, because he this is one of the few cities, actually, that Jack has physically traveled to, because right. he doesn't like to leave his mountain hermitage any more than he absolutely has to. So, uh, but, but he can be there... Through the telephone, and so um, I I have certain responses that I sort of fall back on because we get asked a lot of the same questions. But Jack, to his credit, in the cabin you see in the film, on top of you know on top of a mountain all by himself, has, never repeats himself. is always on his feet. He's he's really sharp and he's really alive. And he's he's also the type of person who's not afraid to uh, to sort of pick on people and to make others around him. Sharper, And I I really respect that. I like that quite a bit. And I feel like that's going away, sadly, as we all sort of kind of sink more and more into ourselves for whatever reason. And so I really appreciate that uh, uh, vitality. The randomness of
0: people cutting together these outtakes and having them forgotten for a very long time and then having them rediscovered somehow. They end up on the Internet. They end up you seeing them, your friends. And... I wonder Jack and Ben uh, uh, how you feel about how all this came about uh, because uh, there's a certain, I don't know, and you'll probably likely disagree with me on this there's a certain sort of mean spiritness about the original incubus for all this but something really good's come out of it.
2: Well I, w- I would love to answer this question okay, yeah. because I i am a firm believer and a lot of times when I'm looking for stories and characters i and, the, and i understand totally that this is very naive and i can only say that i'm from the midwest and (laughs) there's maybe something in the water there that leads to this kind of thinking but i believe that you in in this life people usually get what it is they want and go after but what that means is that they never get it the way they think they're going to and it never looks like what they think they're ultimately going to get so it's, it's this sort of never-ending, sort of amazing comic potential in that storyline, and I love that. And for me, this story encapsulates that beautifully because Jack is someone who, and Keith Gordon his friend says this in the film, has always wanted to be able to address an audience but has never actually wanted to physically interact with that audience, or at least he has wanted to live at a distance from that audience and that is a particularly modern situation that we all now find ourselves in literally within the last five years there are you know the new technology with our laptops and phones we can do that and jack keith is saying that jack wanted to do that back in the 80s and 90s and in a way he sort of he presupposed this condition and there's just something about like you said the randomness of this 22 year old clip that these guys cut together because it was funny and because they were frustrated at having to work with Jack and they were having a tough time. Everybody was having a hard time and they were blowing off steam. And this thing was made for a few laughs and passed around for that reason. And now 20 plus years later, I see it and I make this crazy movie on credit cards with my friends and develop this friendship with Jack. And through this bizarre twist of fate, he now has been able to address an audience and not have to leave his mountain hermitage. And it's like, nobody ever thought that this would happen. And had we thought that th- that's what we were setting out to do, it probably would have come across um, less in, in, a, in a less endearing fashion. It might have been contrived or corny. And and um, I, ju- I love that about our, what I see is sort of the grand human comedy that we all find ourselves in.
0: Ben Steinbauer and Jack Rebney talking about Winnebago Man. If you haven't seen it, check out the clips online and I think that you will be intrigued. I think that you won't be able to help yourself. You're going to want to find out more about Jack Rebney. And then check out the movie Winnebago Man. Dane DeHaan, he's going to be a giant star if he wants it. He makes interesting choices in movies. He is a really compelling figure on screen. Uh, right now you can see him in a movie called Life. Uh, he's playing James Dean at a really fascinating uh, point in his career. I chatted with DeHaan recently at the House of Krauss about James Dean and his love for an actor who died three decades before DeHaan was born. I've been doing some reading about uh, you and James Dean, and you say that he's your favorite actor. Tell me a little bit about uh, what it was about James Dean that attracted you to him as an actor.
3: Um, He is one of my favorite actors. Um, I was in acting school. I was learning about acting. Um, And my acting teacher told us to go home and watch like Marlon Brando movies and James Dean movies. And. Started watching them, and he was just amazing. And it's just amazing to watch someone kind of start the revolution of the kind of acting that most people try to do today, but do it um, in such a beautiful way.
0: And. What was it specifically? Because I I watch those movies. I'm much older than you are. And I watch those movies. And I see uh, someone who is blazing a trail. But by the time you would have seen James Dean, you were sort of used to the idea of people doing a much more naturalistic kind of acting. What did you see when you first saw it?
3: Well, but I saw the same thing. Mm I mean, like, it's so exciting to watch those movies. And uh, see like James Dean existing in these world, this world of all these other over the top actors, and just like, like, <laughs> like, just like taking them to school, you know, it's like amazing. <laughs> and to see the origins of it, you know, like that's it's exciting, and it is seeing someone blaze a trail. Um, I'm obviously coming from the perspective of like an acting student, so mm-hmm. um, and like a uh, really like very uh, probably too took myself too seriously uh acting student like so when i saw that and i saw the first person doing it it was just so exciting and the contrast like i said is just so jarring like now you see a movie i mean yeah there's obviously people that are better than other people but like generally everyone's trying to do the same kind of acting mm-hmm. you know in those movies, that's not even really happening.
0: And it, it does make them exciting. It does make them exciting. And you had a poster of him on your wall uh, at UNC School of the Arts. Is is that connection one of the reasons that you said no to this movie when it was originally offered to you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the poster's still in my wall. I'm looking is at it? it right now. Yeah? Um, yeah, same poster. Um, I found it in the wall hidden behind hidden in the wall behind my closet (laughs)
0: Um,
3: anyway um, yes it was yeah totally I mean he's like uh, one of my heroes he's like one of my acting heroes so the idea of bringing him to life seemed like no pun intended seemed like a a kind of impossible task Mm -hmm. Um, and I was scared of it and I was intimidated by it and I kept saying no to it because of those reasons and then um, you know I'm always doing these interviews and I'm saying I want to play the most challenging roles and I want to do the parts that scare me the most but when that actually presented itself to me I was running away from it and I just started to listen to people around me you know my wife like pointing this out like here's a great script here's the opportunity of a lifetime here's a great director what's the deal and I just started to realize I'm I'm scared of it and I, ha- if I wanted to practice what my, pre- what, what I preach I had to take it on and that's ultimately why I decided to do it
0: and how do you I'm not an actor so I'll ask I guess probably kind of a naive question but how do you balance a performance like this so that it's not just mimicking a person because we all know what James Dean looked like and you know the way he walked and the way he sounded Uh, so you don't want to just mimic that that's part of it I guess but you want to get a little bit more inside how do you prepare for that
3: yeah, well, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, all that, all the, like, what he sounded like and what he looked like stuff, like, honestly, that's not even my department. Like, right. that's so the department. It's like, I work with a dialect coach to sound like him, and I work with a makeup artist and a trainer to try to look like him, but my job as an actor is to find inner life and to delve into who he really was as a person, what drove him forward and try to bring that, make that a living thing. You know, I mean, obviously if you're playing someone this famous, you have to honor what he looked like as much as you can. And mm-hmm. you have to honor what he sounded like as much as you can. but but the real fun of my job is really trying to bring him to life,
0: and for me, in the film, where I really felt like I was getting to know him, were the scenes in Indiana when he goes home. And you know, up until that point, I I I I liked the performance. I I felt like I was watching James Dean. But I I I it wasn't until, and it seemed to me like there was a change in the the character in Indiana. Did Did you feel that, or am I reading something into it?
3: No, I think that's it. I mean, I think. In Hollywood, in Hollywood, James Dean was so guarded. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so aware of the fact that like he could get taken advantage of, and he didn't like that feeling. And so he was a guarded individual. He didn't let his guard down. He mm-hmm. didn't let people in to see who he really was. He just focused on the work and focused on his talent and focused on honing his craft and focused on getting a job, but he didn't really want to let people in personally, but then he goes home, you know, or at least where he grew up most of his Mm -hmm. life with his family. And he lets that guard down. He, he gets to become the, the guy he is again. You know, he gets to, he gets to be comfortable in his own skin and be around people he trusts and just exist in that world rather than, It's literally the difference between being in a world where he trusts no one and being in a world where he trusts everyone. People think they know a lot about him, but nobody, not many people really know much about him at all. I think that's... That's kind of, if people take that away from the movie, that'd be great.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, it, yeah. It, it is a sad fact, I think, that uh, today there are a lot of young people who perhaps don't really know who James Dean is exactly, other than the famous photograph in Times Square, which yeah. is detailed in the, in the movie. But I think a lot of people uh, of, a, of a younger generation simply don't understand this guy. Um, do you think this movie will help bring back an awareness of him?
3: Well, I really hope so. I mean, ultimately, that was definitely one of the reasons I I took it on is because I I realize the same thing you do that there are a lot of young people that don't know who James mm-hmm. Dean is, and that is a sad fact. And yeah, I I would hope that you you know either watch his movies first and then watch our movie, or watch our movie and then watch his movies. Um, but yeah, I would really hope it would open that door to a lot of people to rediscover him, not just as a persona, but as an amazing talent, you know,
0: does he have any family really left?
3: No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe Marky's still alive.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm not sure. I was just wondering if if anyone had contacted you or anything like that.
3: No one contacted me. Uh, no, I've met only one person, and it was after we made the film that had ever even met him. And really? it was a woman that it was a woman that had tested with James Dean for East of Eden.
0: Wow! Wow! That's cool. And she cool. had a
3: picture of them from the screen test, and she was the only person I've met. And I I was like, what was he like? Yeah. Was obviously my question, and she told me she was a lot. Uh, he was a lot like I was in the movie. And I said, "Wow, that's amazing!" And she said, "Yeah." And you actually, he sounded exactly like he sounded in the movie. And I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" Like that's honestly like all I need to hear. Yeah. Really nice to meet you. I love you.
0: I like talking to that guy, Dane DeHaan. He's starring in Life. You can see it in theaters right now. So passionate about. An actor who a lot of people now don't remember so much as an actor, but as a symbol. And I think life might go a long way towards humanizing James Dean for a whole new generation. Well, that's it. That's all there is right now. I have to go wrap some more presents. Uh, Christmas and Hanukkah, certainly long from being over, but they're over for today. My thanks to uh, Ben Steinbauer, Jack Rebney, Dane DeHaan, but most of all, my thanks to you for swinging by the House of Krauss. It's starting to look a little more Christmassy around here. The lights are going up. We'll get the tree up next week. So make sure that you stop back next week. We put a new show up every Monday and you never know who's gonna stop by for a visit.